looking back and trying to remember as we're live here talking about this, I think, you know, I know we, our first few were a flip and several rentals and then we kind of got flip heavy. I think the goal of getting flip heavy was so you could quit your job, which we'll talk about. And, a, and to put down on multifamilies. Yeah. I remember talking about that. Yep. Cause we, yeah. we tried and couldn't get multifamilies hundred percent finance. Not, yeah. especially then no one wanted to do it. So yeah, I think we were flipping a lot and we were trying to get the engines burning and try to create some revenue so mm -hmm. that you could quit your job. We could put money on down on multifamilies and it just wasn't happening. So we decided uh, to just do rentals and your goal was to get out of your job, which you did the following year. So yeah, I think uh, 2017, that was a good year where we did stack a lot of rentals. I don't remember how many exactly. I think it was like 22. 20 and all yeah. like single family rentals. With, right? with full-time jobs. Yeah. Full-time yeah. jobs did probably 22 single family rental bird deals and probably another couple flips. You're listening to the Ordinary Guys Extraordinary Wealth Podcast, hosted by us, Sam Prim and Lucas Walls, investors, entrepreneurs, and best friends. Two millennial Midwesterners who started a real estate side hustle and now own $40 million in rentals without using any of our own money. Now we're two average guys teaching other people how to use real estate investing to create financial freedom and generational wealth. If you're ready to learn how to take control of your future using real estate investments the simple way and have fun while doing it, you're in the right place. Let's start today's show. Hello, welcome to Ordinary Guys Extraordinary Wealth. My name is Sam. And I'm Lucas. And we have been investing in real estate, Lucas, for seven years now. Eight. Not, I mean, seven full years. Okay. You can't count 2014 when we bought well, that entire year. We didn't start actually buy our house till the fall. We absolutely can count 2014. So we so started LLC in the spring. We didn't have, so all right, we can count three months of 2014, guys. Um, Eight months. Not yeah, whatever. Not really. It didn't count when we bought our LLC. But and we're and, past that point this year. Anyways, so we're doing eight. seven <laughs> lessons learned is what we're doing through our first seven years. So in the last seven years, we have you know we've quit our jobs, but we've bought forty million dollars worth of real estate, thousand and of our own money. Probably wholesaled over five hundred houses. Probably flipped over two hundred houses. We have two million followers on social media. We have this podcast. So we've done a lot of really cool shit. So I thought it'd be good to go back and kind of walk through the journey. You know, we're not going to go into too much detail, but year one, what was our major lessons learned? Year two, year three. So if somebody is in year one through seven or they're just wanting to get started, they can see what we learned when we went back and looked back and how we did it. What do you think about that? Yeah, it's not all rainbows and butterflies. There was a lot of challenges, a lot of things we had to push through. But, you know, once we get to those other side of those challenges, uh, that comes the time for reflection and actual learning. And so we can get better and uh, also to teach you guys these things. So maybe you don't have to go through the quite the learning curve that we did. Yeah. And I think it's we don't do this too much, but doing that little Monday morning quarterback, like looking back and seeing what you did well, what you could have done better. This is like a, a huge sample size, seven years and a ton of stuff, but going back and, and looking what we could have done better and what we learned, you know, we usually don't do a good job looking back yeah. or even being present. We're always looking forward. So this will be good for us to go back and see what we learned over, you know, $40 million worth of real estate. I don't even know how much real estate we flipped in wholesale if you take the dollar amount a lot. Yeah. I mean, geez, um, hundreds of millions. Yeah. Hundreds so, of millions. Yeah. Hundreds of millions of like dollars worth of real estate that yeah. we've, you know, wholesaled and flipped uh, a ton of two, three, four hundred thousand dollar houses. Yeah. I've, I heard a percentage, I believe, of uh, like 
I would like to get your take on this because our percentages are probably different of the amount of time you should spend looking back, being present and looking forward, right? And what uh, you should or what do we do? Uh, I would say what we should strive for or what it and I think it's different for everybody, but I think it is important to to stay present and focus on what you're doing now, but I think it's something along the lines of like, you know, 5 or 10% looking back, um 30% looking forward and then like 60% uh, in the present, something something along those lines. Yeah, is that what the thing suggests? I don't know, somewhere around that. Yeah, I, I think don't remember that makes where I heard sense. it, but uh, we are probably two percent looking back, ten percent being present, and eighty eight percent looking forward. Yeah, I, I would. I, I think I'm a little more present than that, but okay. Sorry, you are twelve percent present. <laughs> there we go. Um, so anyway, so that's exciting. I'm excited to go back and look and see what we've learned. So let's go back to 2014-15 time frame back in those days. We'll start around then. Um, that was when we just got started. We started an LLC and our first property was a rental property. And I think it'd be inaccurate of us to say anything other than the major lesson we learned was the refinance method. We, yeah, a lot of lessons, but the, the major, major thing. For well, sure. the most impactful one going forward Absolutely. and the most the one that I would like people yeah. to learn and hopefully they know is we thought that we were going to have to buy a rent or buy a property, fix it up, flip it, sell it, take that profit and put 20% down on a rental. We thought you had to put 20% down on rental properties. Mm -hmm. We didn't have enough money in our bank accounts to do that. So we had to create that money by flipping or wholesaling, whatever it was going to be. We were going to have to create money to buy rentals. However, we learned about the Burrs method and the refinance that you could back into putting 20% down. You could create that 20% equity without cash. You can create that 20% equity by buying at discounts and rehabbing. And that that's how we're able to buy $40 million worth of real estate without using any of our own money. Had we not known about that walls, we would probably own like six houses right now. Yeah. I mean, hopefully we'd have figured it out eventually, but figuring it out on um, our very first house is, is a blessing, right? Just, and we figured it out by getting around people that are, that are, that are smarter than us, right? Is, is, it was, uh, the first time we ever met Brian, he talked about this strategy with us, and we were in the middle of rehabbing this house. So uh, we came to came to Faster House's office and looking for deals to buy through one of their uh, sales reps, Phillips, and mm -hmm. then uh, started started talking shop with the owner. And that's uh, you know, so surround yourself with good, smart people, and uh, it, it'll help lessen the learning curve. Because yeah, like you, like like maybe I said, but what if we didn't learn about that for? years <laughs> that yeah, would we, suck yeah we would have yeah because we as we'll see the in 2016 it's kind of tough to rehab and we were very good at it yeah. like we'll talk about it for the next year lessons learned um i'll little teaser but um yeah our several of our flips didn't make any money right. so what if the goal is to flip a house make 30 grand and put that down on a run what if you flip a house lose 30 grand then you gotta flip another house make 30 grand then you gotta flip another house make 30 grand yeah, so you gotta fit three houses yeah if you're that would have happened several times and we yeah. wouldn't have at one house for a down payment some of them would have been three houses for a down payment so yep. we might have just got frustrated and quit and that's honestly maybe why some people do because they don't understand or know about this refinance i think with social media and everything I've done and a ton of other people and bigger pockets. I think most people know about the refinance now. Yeah. Uh, real estate's become more mainstream, but yeah. it was not as well known back then. Yep, for sure. And uh, there, there's so many different parts. So just learning about the overall strategy that it is possible is, is number one, but there's a lot of nuances that are, that are involved in this. We were, we were going to, we bought the house regardless. So whether we're going to use the birds or not, we, we bought that thing. You know, we were rehabbing it regardless um, but we were going to sell it. Mm -hmm. um, so instead of selling it, we just 
interviewed property management companies. They got that thing rented. And then we uh, we uh, started making relationships with banks to, to execute that refinance because that's if you don't have that, you, you know, you don't have you don't have the burrs. So yep. and that's where it took us like 25 contacts with banks to finally find the ones that knew what we were talking about and willing to take a chance on us. Yep. No, that was it was a interesting year to get the ball rolling. I want to also um, for the audience to start thinking about this for our um, random thought of the day today is going to be, does a straw have one or two holes? So mm. got, you got about probably, I don't know, we'll get there in like 10 or 15 minutes. So start, start thinking about your answer. Cause I know the answer. I don't know if you know the answer, but I know the answer. All right. That's not a really answer, Lucas. I was kidding. I, I think it's kind of an opinion thing. Okay. All right. Year two, 2016 ish. So there's several lessons learned and you can obviously throw in an additional one, but this was the year we kind of finished up and started some rehabs that didn't go very well. We learned, we figured out that rehabbing is pretty hard. Our first flip rehab, we spent like 70 grand on in like seven or eight months and made like $15,000 or something along those lines. 16, and then yeah. we started another one that we ended up losing 30 grand on, Pequeno. If yep. you, um, so we, we figured out that while you have full-time jobs and you're trying to buy rentals and you're starting families, flipping real estate without having like a core group of contractors is tough. It's, it's very inefficient. And we were not efficient at rehabbing houses in 2016. You're right. But I, I think that is a lesson learned. But a, another part of that is, you know, we, we learned how to rehab houses. Mm-hmm. You know, we didn't know anything about anything at that point. So, you know, we learned what you know, drywall taping and mudding was. We, we learned, you know, how uh, what else did we learn? <laughs> we knew how to paint. That's like the That's, one thing we knew how to do. We knew how to paint. That's it. I mean, just uh, knowing about ordering cabinets and the yeah. standard size. I remember we our, we had the property, Ardwick, needed – it was a burn house, which was insane. Our very first flip was a house Down to was, the studs. Chris had crispy studs. Crispy studs. Just like us. Places. Crispy studs. And one of the wall <laughs> – that had no um, hurricane clips or anything like that, remember? Yeah. Yeah. And one of the back porch was kind of like – it was an enclosed porch was like kind of falling yep. a little bit and it was a nightmare. It didn't even have electric. It had that pool in back. Yep. It had an above ground pool in and back. I think it was below ground. Was it? No, it know. was it was like into the ground, but it was above ground. Okay. We didn't have like fill it in. Um, and then, yeah, it was, there was just a lot was going on. And one of them was the electric. And I remember like our electric contractors, like I'm going to put electric, electric in the kitchen. Let me know where you want it. And we like taped where the cabinets um, were going to be. And he's like, no, I need to know. I need to know exactly what it is and where to put it and like the height of your cabinets yeah. and the, you know, the uppers and lowers and like where, like it can't just throw an outlet wherever. So we didn't know any of that kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah. We learned a lot and uh, uh, stuff we learned from that first, because we bought a burn house. Challenges was it was a giant rehab, but pros was we learned about the whole process. We didn't skip one step except pouring the foundation because <laughs> we did everything else with that house. So we learned a lot and we took a lot of those lessons into what we do to this day. Yep. And we, we added like a half bath. Remember that guy was like, he cut up the floor in the basement and like bucketed it out yeah. with buckets because it wasn't a walkout. Like you have yeah. to walk buckets of dirt and concrete out and then walk concrete down it it was a lot and then the uh the the day before listing we were going to go live and uh the water service line broke in the front yard and we were like why is this ground so soggy here <laughs> and we ended up with our contractor and your dad i think my dad was there too we just dug this giant like eight foot hole in the middle of the front trying yard. to find the leak yeah we trying didn't... to find the leak we didn't even know where it was but we found that son of a bitch it was like pinched between like a 
like a 50 year old tree and and a rock and it and it poked a hole in it so we uh coupled it together and fixed it and hopefully, it's not in a hole. hopefully it's not leaking anymore yeah we, we've done a lot in that subdivision since so uh we we could probably drive by it we should yeah yeah that. so anyway so that was that was year two was we learned that rehabbing's hard but we learned how to rehab and figure it all out you know after that first one it did you kind of talked about the positives of it but all the other rehabs we did, even if they didn't turn out well, weren't near as daunting after that first one, Mm-mm. putting 20, 30 grand into a house, which would have been kind of daunting. And it was on our first like rehab for our rentals, but that that one kind of was like, we can't really do anything crazier than this. So Yeah, our, our average profit per rehab was, was bad. Like, oh. I, I think we made like, I think we did 12 rehabs. And uh, I think it was a year after that one. Once we decided, hey, maybe we could do this, we thought... Maybe we could do this full time. I think we made like $108,000 for 12 rehabs. So, <laughs> and a lot of <laughs> our, our time. average was like nine grand. And that wasn't paying ourselves. And that was a lot of our time. Yeah. Adding. So, we didn't have the best average, but we learned a lot. We that's did. For sure. We did. So, what about 2017 ish, year three? What was, what was, you think, your biggest lesson learned that yeah, year was? I think uh, it was just a mindset shift. To- By the way, those jeans are so much better. Don't wear those light colored. Uh, bad jeans these you wear. are so tight i need these in like uh these from target and they have yeah, like a fine they have a slim fit which are these and i'm not slim okay and they have like an athletic fit which i'm extremely so athletic, athletic so, yes so those are the ones i need Didn't to get you tear but your I, mcl but I do, playing I do basketball like by yourself in your in your driveway yeah but you should have seen this spin move i pulled off on your three sick. four year old at the time i was like ooh, ooh, yep you got him nice. got him got him but those are much better jeans so we we did some big rehabs and and sold them um and you know we made a little bit of money on on what we sold so i think the next year year 3 lesson learned was um you know delayed gratification i'm going to call it okay. and and if we're if we're putting that much effort into fixing up a house you know why don't we just keep it um because we really started to supercharge our rental portfolio at that point because we realized that that was the long-term play. So if we could delay the gratification of our average $9,000 per flip, <laughs> but uh, if you're doing it right, it should be way more than that. It should be like 25, 30 grand, right? So if we could delay that and hold on to those assets uh, for an extremely long period of time, we're going to be in a much better position in 5, 10, 20 years than we were if we sold that house. Yeah, I think that... Looking back and trying to remember as we're live here talking about this, I think, you know, I know we, our first few were a flip and several rentals, and then we kind of got flip heavy. I think the goal of getting flip heavy was so you could quit your job, which we'll talk about. And, a, two- and to put down on multifamilies. Yeah. I remember talking about that. Yep. Cause we, yeah. we tried and couldn't get multifamilies 100% finance, not, yeah. Especially then no one wanted to do it. So, yeah, I think we were flipping a lot and we were trying to, get the engines burning and try to create some revenue so mm-hmm. that you could quit your job. We could put money on down on multifamilies and it just wasn't happening. So we decided uh, to just do rentals and your goal was to get out of your job, which you did the following year. So yeah, I think uh, 2017, that was a good year where we did stack a lot of rentals. I don't remember how many exactly. I think it was like 22. 20, and all yeah. like single family rentals, with right? A, with full-time jobs. Yeah, full-time yeah. jobs did 
probably 22 single family rental bird deals and probably another couple flips. Yeah, I, I think we did like eight flips. So we did yeah. like 30 houses a year or something. Yeah, because we did get a little more efficient with yeah. everything. And um, those rentals are great. I mean, I wish we had bought 50 that year. Imagine yeah. the value. I think we bought as many as we could, yeah, could handle. We yeah, we, did <laughs> we bought more, everything. More than we could handle. But yeah. that just that year, that was that was a good year. We added a ton. Yeah. We added a ton that year. For sure. A lot of fun. Yep. All right. So 2018, year four. Um, kind of a, a leap of faith here, I guess we could talk a little bit about lessons learned, but that was, you quit your job in the end of 2017. I quit my job beginning of 2018. So that was when we went full time into real estate, um, you know, had our portfolio, wanted to grow and expand. You know, we basically combined our flipping and wholesaling company with faster house and partnered with Brian. We were doing mm -hmm. quite a bit on the side and, you know, we, I remember having the conversation that. I was like, why would we stop? And I, you know, got because we were partnering with it. So yeah. we do it all through the new company. So we quit our jobs and went full time and took that leap of faith going full time into real estate. Yeah. And kind of really learned the difference between active and passive income. Because um, uh, my initial plan was to, to build up enough, our initial plan, build up enough passive rental cash flow to be able to quit the jobs, to quit your job. And that just takes so much more time than I, than I, initially thought of. So the better way to jump into real estate for us full time was to uh, increase our active income as much as possible. And, and we were able to do that through flipping and wholesaling properties. So that was a, a good year. I think it was one of those years where um, a very pivotal year. I don't know that we added a ton of rentals that year. We no, we kind of kind of did a little pause and make sure we get the the flipping uh, organization to, to a point where we wanted it. Because you know, 2018, we honestly, a, a lot of learning lessons for us. We didn't have incredible income at that time. 20, 20, I made less money for, in 2018 yeah. than I did, you know, before oh, yeah. I quit my job. Yep. In 2019, something similar too, mm -hmm. I think. I think really, uh, you know, 2020, our, our flipping business started to, to take off a little bit. Um, but, um, but yeah, that leap of faith and uh, and, and it comes back to delayed gratification. We knew this was the the long term goal, so we were okay. Sam was okay making less money uh, for the short term, and, and, and I, I believe this in anything that you try. Like, the longer you're okay with, you know, going balls to the wall and not pay, taking profits for yourself in any new venture, um, the more successful that venture is going to be. Um, as soon as you start taking money from it, which is which is fine. That's what our business was. Um, and it was more, it was already established, then it kind of takes the, the the magic out of that. So if you're able to delay that gratification one, two, three, five, ten years, um, it'll it'll put you in a much, much better spot and allow you to do things that no one else is allowed to do. But not a lot of people are in that position. Nope. No, they're, they're not. So we are fortunate to have that. And yeah. balls to the wall from the window to the wall. Yeah. Till the sweat. That's my nickname. Till the sweat what? drops down my <laughs> walls. All right. Um, so yeah, so 2018 was a leap of faith. 2019, we started to, I think, get over, I wouldn't call it like shock, but yeah. from side hustle to full-time jobs, being your own boss, that would, took an adjustment period. You know, we, our kids were getting to be a couple years old. So just a lot going on. So 2019, I feel like we maybe kind of took a little bit more of a breath. We still didn't make a ton of money personally, but we started to build a team. Like, you know, we hired Phil and hired several people that are still with us today. So we started to build our own team in 2019. So I think that year was just a great year to show the power of building a team and building the right people and building a foundation that you can then build upon. Yeah. And we were 
flipping 130 houses a year at that point. So um, Brian was doing, you know, 120 houses by himself and uh, with with a, with a small team. And then Sam and I were doing, you know, 30 houses with no team. Mm-hmm. Um, so to combine our efforts uh, in wanting to grow and start flipping 150, start flipping 200, start flipping 250, um, we realized we couldn't do it ourselves. Um, and if we, if we did for a short period of time, we're going to drive ourselves crazy and, and pull us away from our family and be super stressed out. And that's not what we wanted. So we started building a team and put people in the seats that are experts in those seats. Cause, um, we, we are not experts at a lot of different things. So we have to find people to, that love doing certain things and, um, they can do it at a higher level than we can. Yep. No, I agree. I think that was huge for us to just kind of get the right people on the right bus. And, you know, we were reading a lot of books at the time doing, uh, you know, case studies with books and doing, you know, Monday morning, you know, book clubs basically, but on business and entrepreneurship. And I think that helped a lot. So yeah, 2019, we grew a team and started to get a little momentum, started to- Bought a lot of rentals that year too. Turn the flywheel. (laughs) Yep. You know what that means? You turn a flywheel, once it starts to revolve, then it starts to gain momentum. I flywheel like this because if it's like this, there's no like top. Oh, so you You need the momentum. So you got to get it over that peak and then- So in all engines, flywheels are always up and down? No, not necessarily. So that's why that was fine. There you go. Well, there you go. So flywheels, I'm an engine expert. So (laughs) we got the flywheel turning and we added rentals quite a few that year as well. Yeah, quite a few, which is- uh, We'll go into our next year's learning lesson. Yeah, so 2020. So that was a crazy freaking year. COVID and all this stuff going on. And we we basically will get to double down on real estate that year rather than backed away. Yeah. And, you know, we had been building at this point for five-ish years, been building relationships and rentals and got some equity and, you know, really were able and starting to see the power of real estate, the power of equity, because I've you know, talked about a little bit more recently, but you're, the wealth and the financial freedom is not in the cash flow. It's in the equity, whether mm-hmm. it's a business or real estate. The the cash flow is finite based on your product or whatever you're whatever you're um, buying or selling. But cash flow won't create wealth for you unless you're like have an insane amount. The wealth is created through the equity. Mm-hmm. And we started to see that because we did uh, two cash out refinances. I think one was the beginning of 2021, but in 2020, we did a cash out refinance where we pulled out 880 grand of mm-hmm. tax-free cash from our rental portfolio. Just basically said, we have X amount of equity in our rentals. Let's you know take a little bit of that equity out and you know make our loans bigger but pull out cash do whatever we want with yeah and we we made our loans bigger but we got better terms on those more loans. cash flow so it, it increased the cash flow we paid off some private lenders that we utilized to acquire some multifamily. so that uh gave us more cash flow i think we did we pay off a house or two that I think time we paid off two houses that time two houses that time which is great um so yeah the before this equity was just sitting out there and we're running really thin margins and not because $200 a month, you know, that gets eaten up pretty quickly a lot of times when you're building and scaling a rental portfolio and still growing. So um, our our operating account at that point was pretty, pretty thin. So um, to be able to finally see some of the fruits of all of our hard work and and build that res- reserves in the operating account was uh, like a hallelujah moment for us, I feel like. Hallelujah moment. Mm. I like it. What is the epiphany? No, it wasn't an epiphany. Climax. It was a climax. <laughs> it was a, uh, yes, I'll, I'll leave that one there for you. So yeah, so 2020 was a good year. Uh, 2021, 
Um, we bought a lot of multifamilies. The end of 2020 we did. and 2021, we bought several multifamily properties. You know, I think three. I think so. Four in this like year, eight year, 18 month period. Yeah. So there was, um, yeah. So 20, 2019 was the last multifamily we bought. It was a little 12 unit and we're like, 2020, we're going to buy a multifamily, but with COVID and it just didn't work out. Like we didn't look at a lot. Yeah. We looked at a lot and made some offers. It just didn't work out. Um, but that next 12 months or so, like, like you said, Sam, we bought, um, three really quality, um, high value assets, um, and they just started happening. Mm-hmm. Like it's uh, the ones that didn't work out in 2020 started to work out and make sense for us in 2021. Uh, that was because we built relationships with the right people, I think, which this is the entire business is a relationship business. But dealing with our apartment broker, Ben, who we bought several from now, we had talked to other brokers and just hadn't quite mesh with the right one and they didn't bring the right deals. And we bought one deal from Ben and then now we get first shot or close to it at every deal that comes across his plate. So I think it just goes to show that if you build the right relationship with the right people, then deals become a lot easier. Yep. Absolutely. Cool. I like it. So there's any, our- Any learning lessons for this year so far? Um, Social media is pretty powerful. That's a good yeah. year. We've kind of hit our stride there. So social media and reaching out to people and being able to start this podcast with you know a decent viewership because of all the work we put on social media. But what about you? I would just say, um, you know, uh, you know, a- as the market is softening, um, we're just we're just kind of. I don't like people saying they're not making money because of the market. It's not the market. Mm-hmm. It's it's you. You need to get better. You need to get your business better. Um, and then, uh, and and then that that's us too. We we need to get better. And I think that's a that's a cool challenge and a cool spot for us to be in because that's that's my favorite part. Yeah, we got definitely got some challenges, but the market is it's it's still a very very good market. And I, honestly, pretty much at any point in time, it's a good enough market to make money in real estate if you're doing the right things with the right fundamentals, buying distressed properties, managing them properly via rehab or you know tenant. As long as you're doing it the right way, real estate you're fine pretty much in any market. Not saying that everything's you know you're bulletproof, but if you're not over leveraged, you can make a lot of money in real estate in any market and the market's definitely even in the markets that is kind of dipping it's definitely still strong enough where you can be very profitable in real estate absolutely all right random thought of the day does a straw have one or two holes in it lucas i saw a tiktok on this last night a couple people in the office saw it too did you see that tiktok i didn't okay but i would say it was just guys talking there wasn't like science it was just like what's your opinion on it I think there's a couple caveats. Okay. I think it depends how long the straw it's is. It's long enough to drink out of. I mean, that could be very short. Yeah, I mean, at least at least an at least an inch and a half. And I would also say that it depends if it has a bend in the straw. Why would a bend matter? Ask yourself that. I mean, I get why bends matter for certain things. <laughs> a little curve's not bad for certain things, but. Why would a bend matter? Because then the hole's in a different position? Yeah. So it's a straight... If you you can see through it to me, straight through it, it's one hole. So you think it's one hole? I I don't know. What type of straw are you talking about? Yeah, it's a straight straight straw. It's a four-inch straight straw, no bend. I would say one extended hole. I think it's two. Could be. You know why? Why? Because you... I'm not probably going to word this exactly, but you can stick like... 
two things in it. Like you can stick the, something that's exact size of the hole. You can stick in one end and the other end. If it's really one hole, you can only fill one hole with, if you had like a little round piece that was the exact size of the straw. So like a bucket, you're saying. A bucket, a bucket's one, one hole. hole. Yeah. And then if it had a hole at the other side. That's two holes. Two holes. I there convinced you, you. I did it. I convinced him. I convinced him. All right. Very persuasive. I am. I know. I, I, am, I am. presenting I am. the facts. I presented the facts just like a lawyer. <laughs> yeah. And I just convinced you and the jury says that it's two. So All we right. figured that out. Nice. Good awesome. work. Awesome. Thank you for being open to it, Lucas, yeah, and not being stuck in your ways. I am. Awesome. All right. Well, hopefully you enjoyed this episode. If you got anything out of it, you know, make sure to subscribe and give us a five-star rating. You don't have to, but- you a lot cooler if you did. He'd love saying that. So hopefully you had fun with us and uh, continue to watch these episodes. We go live on YouTube, usually Friday mornings, and then the cut-up version is on the podcast network. So hopefully we, we will see or hear you on the next one. See you guys. Thanks for listening to today's episode. We hope you got some major value from our conversation. If you love what you learn, make sure you like, rate, review the show, and help us spread the word by telling a friend. If you'd like to learn more about working with me inside one of my programs, we'll have those links in the show notes, along with all our social media handles, so you connect with us there for free. If there's a real estate question you'd like us to answer, feel free to send us a message and we'll cover it in an upcoming show.